The Mariners dominated the Rays in 2021. Can they do so again? Plus, is Eugenio Suarez all the way back? Let's talk about it here on today's episode of Locked On Mariners. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Tuesday, April 26, 2022, and this is Locked On Mariners Podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. I am your host, Sadie Gonzalez, reporter and editor at allseahawks.com. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Colby Patno. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. That's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z and Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. Be sure to also check out our Patreon, where we talk about the Mariners even more and also get into some non-baseball talk twice a week visit patreon.com forward slash control zone for more information on that if you are interested and want more of us and if this is your first time joining us here on the lockdown mariners podcast welcome to the show if you like what you hear give us a follow or subscribe wherever you listen to this and if you're watching us on youtube hit the subscribe button turn on the notification bell give this video a thumbs up we greatly appreciate it the mariners open up a three game set with the rays later today we're going to tell you what they need to do to win the series we're also going to dive into the numbers on a eugenio suarez who Seems to be having kind of a career resurgence right now. But first, MLB announced today that when rosters go down from 28 players to 26 next week, the 13-pitcher limit will not be implemented until the end of May. How does this impact the Mariners, Colby? Well, it probably uh, allows Scott Service to carry, um, well, probably 14 pitchers, much like he did for most of last year. It'll be interesting to see how they handle that because, well, um, they have three catchers on the roster right now and, and carrying, you know, carrying 12 uh, three-man bench where two of them are catchers, eh, that's that's not so ideal. So it'll be interesting to see how they decide to handle that. Um, traditionally, they've wanted to have as many pitchers as, as they could carry, um, but it just might not be feasible right now. Um, with the uh, with the current situation, um, <clears throat> I mean, a bench of Raleigh, Torrens, and and Toro is is fine. You can make it work, um, but it's it's certainly not ideal. So, and also at this stage, do the Mariners have ten guys or nine guys worth putting in the bullpen over carrying that extra bat? I I don't know. So, mm-hmm. um, typically, what they've done is they've they've carried the extra arm. Uh, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's feasible to to ask them to to do that again or to expect them to do it again, just based on where the uh, where the bench currently sits, where it has two catchers who really can't play anywhere else but catcher. Yeah, I think they need to go to at least a four man bench at this point. Mm-hmm. Plus, I mean, what are, when are they really going to use that tenth reliever, ninth reliever, whatever it is, right? Because Penn Murphy's been in the bullpen for almost a week now <laughs> and mm-hmm. still haven't seen him. You know, the the same thing happened with my, Wyatt Mills last year where he was up with the major league club for quite some time. Just never really saw him. So like I get having that guy for insurance, but if you're never going to use him, even in blowouts or what have you, you know, whether you're winning by a lot or losing by a lot, even if you're not going to use them and also, why are you say why are you using a roster spot for someone that kind of fits that? Right? Because you have other guys. You have plenty of arms. You're not going to 
tire these guys out. I mean, like right now, there's kind of an interesting and a, and a unique predicament that the Mariners find themselves in because, you know, Romo's hurt, Giles is hurt, Sadler is out for the year, Seawald's on the COVID list. But that's probably not going to be the case for the whole year where you're missing three or four main guys out of your bullpen. So you shouldn't be in a position for the entire season where you're taxing your high leverage guys. Um, and there's also going to, I would assume, come come a point where guys like Andres Munoz are going to be allowed to go more than you know one day at a time. Uh, you know, he, he might be able to go back to back days as the season progresses. Further, he gets you know removed from Tommy John and and all those things. So, I just like ideally, I would just go eight man bench or eight man uh, bullpen because um, I just I feel like those two extra guys and, and right now you know another spot that you're using right now is on Justice Sheffield who, quite frankly, should probably be getting stretched out in Triple A. I, I just, he's not really pitching a ton right now. We're, we've seen him maybe, what, three or four appearances, and we're already at game 17 today. I just, is that really worth it? Is that really worth the roster spot? Whereas, you know, you could have someone like Billy Hamilton or, hell, even Steven Souza Jr. at that point, you know, come off the bench, maybe give you some outfield help, you know, whatever, whatever you need. Because especially right now, you know, with the, um, with with Hanniger on the COVID list, uh, you know, Terenz was on the COVID list. They didn't even use Donovan Walton or Mike Ford. They, I mean, they had Donovan Walton pinch run at one point, but they didn't even use those guys. So they've been giving a lot of at-bats, a lot of playing time to their to pretty much 10 guys right now, you know, with the, the catcher, you know, be, the catcher spot being swapped out between Cal Raleigh and Tom Murphy. And I don't know. I just feel like maybe they maybe they're going to end up taxing the hitters more than they are the pitchers at some point if they keep doing this. And I don't know. I just feel like there needs to be a little more fluidity with their, uh, with their position players right now. And we're just not seeing a lot of that. And you're not going to see a lot of that unless they expand to a four man bench or, or beyond. And honestly, I don't think it should be out of the question running a five man bench, quite frankly. Um, I get it right now. You want to try to take a lot of pressure off of the arms, but you know, especially after the lockout, but still, I don't know. I just, mm-hmm. it, considering how they're using their players right now, it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Yeah, I, it's, it's being unnecessarily cautious and, and uh, while understanding that the rotation, those arms need to be protected, um, they're also, for the most part, they've been pretty efficient. Um, in this first month, we've seen uh, Robbie Ray go seven innings a couple times. Logan Gilbert's gone six innings. Chris mm-hmm. Flexen's gone seven innings. Marco's gone seven. So pretty much everybody but Matt Brash is, has been giving you plenty of innings. Um, so, yeah, you, you talk about, you know, Penn Murphy sitting out there and, and Justice Sheffield, I think, has appeared in three games this year. Yeah. Like, you're not even using – everybody in your bullpen. So what, what good is it to have pin Murphy up if he's not going to pitch? It's just, it's a wasted roster spot. So, um, and it's also not good for pin Murphy. So yeah. yeah, it just makes a lot of sense to just, you know, go with the traditional 13 by 13 split. Um, if you don't want to run a five man bench because you don't think you have, you know, five players 
that you want on your major league roster. Well, that that's kind of a problem, but also fine. But you still kind of need that fourth man. Um, I think it should be Billy Hamilton over uh, Dylan Moore, but the Mariners disagree for now, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, I think the thirteen thirteen split is is the best way to go. But uh, you know, traditionally the Mariners have gone fourteen twelve. Yeah, hopefully that changes because I, I just I I really don't think that right now, as things currently stand this is getting the most out of their roster right now. And I'm talking about the, the 40 man in general, uh, not just the, uh, the 26 man. I, I, I just, I don't think that they are getting the most that they could out of the guys that they have right now. Um, just from a construction standpoint, from my, uh, the geography of the lineup, if you will, <laughs> shout geometry. out geometry. Did I say geography, man? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a day. It's a day. Okay. Well, let's move on because uh, Eugenio Suarez is off to a hot start. And the uh, the numbers indicate this uh, this turnaround for him might actually be real. We'll, uh, we'll tell you what he's done to get back on the right track and if it's sustainable moving forward. But first, let me tell you about the fine folks over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to Locked On Mariners. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. Recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts, including myself, taking fans through the season like no other network. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts, just like us. So Eugenio Suarez has been off to a uh, pretty nice start for the Mariners here. He um, And this really dates back to... The start of last September, it's not really just this year for him. He was one of the worst hitters in all of baseball through the first five months of the season last year. Mm-hmm. But then September rolled around. And since then, in his last 151 plate appearances, he has slashed 320, 417, 688 with a 198 WRC+. Plus. Striking out just 25.2% of the time, which is lower than he has over the last three years. Uh, he's walking 13.2% of the time, which, you know, he's walked a fair amount in his career, but that's really good, uh, especially, you know, considering the fact that he might strike out quite a little bit. Um, he's had 11 home runs, 23 RBIs, 14 doubles. And this is kind of the big thing here, right? Is Eugenio Suarez already has six doubles this year. His career high, I believe, is 25, if I'm not mistaken. That is kind of a change here and the bigger change right now as i uh as i look at his plate discipline here on fan graphs 23.9 percent swing rate outside of the zone on pitches outside of the zone colby looking at his numbers i i think you have them pulled up now from pre-september last year mm-hmm. the outside zone rates i mean they're, they're pretty striking right they're they're, they're a lot higher than uh than they've been over the last 150 plus plate appearances for him, right? Uh, yeah. From July 24th of 2020, the start of the uh, the you know COVID shortened season uh, until um, nope, my bad. Uh, real quick, I got to make this quick change. 
accidentally included September in this, and we don't want that. So, oh uh, yeah, what we want is August. So, uh, yeah. <clears throat> so from the start of the COVID season until August 31 of 2021, uh, Suarez was swinging at roughly uh, 28% of pitches he saw outside of the zone, um, which is obviously you know significantly higher. Uh, his swinging strike percentage was 12.4%. Um, so he was a lot less disciplined. I mean, it, it's it's right there for you to see um, mm. in black and white. Uh, and you kind of look at, you know, what does this mean for what he did, uh, you know, statistically in that time period? Uh, led to a 30% K rate, uh, 179, 273, 397 uh, slash line, and a 74 WRC+. plus. He was still able to get his walks. He was at ten point four percent in that mm. in that seven hundred uh, plate appearance uh, stretch. Um, but obviously, strikeouts were higher than they ever have been, which you know is always going to be a part of his game. But uh, it's just to a point where he was getting himself out. He wasn't giving himself a chance. Um, and we're kind of seeing from September of last year until today, he's swinging at fewer pitches outside of the zone. Um, he's being a bit more selective mm -hmm. uh, at the plate, and it's leading to uh, better results. And, and, you know, I don't know if that's because his swing is <clears throat> different now than it was in, in 2020 or the first half of 2021, um, or if it's just a, a game plan thing. But either way, uh, the results right now speak for themselves, and there is evidence to suggest that it's, maybe not this level is not sustainable, but that Suarez's 2020 and 2020, most of 2021 are more of an outlier than uh, the new norm for a Eugenio Suarez. Yeah. And then, you know, you mentioned the, uh, the whiff rate for him, right? The now over the last 151 plate appearances down below uh, 10%, 9.9%. So basically 10%, but mm -hmm. uh, nine, 9.9% uh, 9 .9 whiff rate. Um, and right now, you know, he is, as I pull all these numbers up, he is slashing 255, 359, 527 with a 168 WRC plus. He's one of the top F4 getters in the American League right now at 0 0.6. So let me ask you this. Back in 2019, he slashed 271, 358, 572. That was his more or less his career year. Uh, the year before that, he hit uh, 283, 366, 526 with a 135. WRC plus and he only struck out 23.4% of the time that year. I think he's going to strike out a little bit more. I don't have any, you know, uh, delusions of, of him hitting nearly 50 home runs this year. He's already got three. He's hitting for a lot of power, but he's also hitting for doubles power, which again mm -hmm. is, is pretty key here because that's not something that he's done a ton. Most of his power output has been over the wall power. And now it's, it's more, he's moving the line. He's getting on base and doing damage that way. And um, and it just seems like he's a, a bit more, not necessarily a complete hitter, but a more well-rounded hitter. Um, and honestly, that's kind of what the Mariners could really use right now, if you can keep this up. So let me ask you this. Um, this is what I was prefacing be before. So... You know, obviously he had those career years. The 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 big numbers, the big slugging percentages. Do you think he's going to slug over 500? And how close do you think he can get to that 
level of production 2018-2019? Right now, I would say I'm cautiously optimistic that he can slug over 500. Um, I would say, though, that I I really doubt we're going to see a year like 2019 again from him. Um, I think he's, you know, more of a 235, 240 type of hitter. I think he's going to post, you know, about league average on base percentages um, as a result. And then, yeah, I think I think he's going to hit for enough power that, you know, with maybe fewer home runs but more doubles, I think that he'll he'll push around right around 500 uh, slugging. So, um, and if that's what you get from him, then that's a drastic upgrade over what you got from your third baseman last year. So, um, yeah. it's it's probably a two and a half, three, maybe even a four win player. Um, and that's, you know, that's a borderline all-star. So, uh, we'll see if he can continue it. Um, obviously, you know, we have 700 play, 700 plate appearance sample size versus 150, but 150 isn't nothing. Yeah. It's just not quite enough to, for us to, or at least for me to feel like I can say like he's figured it out or he, he's done something that is totally sustainable. Well, and it's also it's also interesting though, Ray, because you know we've seen guys have hot Septembers. We saw Jared Kelnick have a really hot September, mm-hmm. and he's come back and he's kind of struggled again. Suarez has come back off of the hot September and is just doing the exact same thing he was doing then. So, I, I do think that's noteworthy. I do think that's something that you have to pay attention to here. I think that's something that indicates that hey, this is probably real. And yeah, there's probably going to be some regression. There's probably going to be a period of time where he slumps. Everyone does. And that's probably going to mess up the numbers a little bit. Um, but I still think he could hit like 230, 240, get on base, you know, 320, 330, and slug over 500. Like, I think that's a legitimate possibility for Eugenio Suarez. And like you said, that's like a, that's a three, four win player. That's someone that's a, a borderline all star. And on top of that, he's giving you better defense than at least I personally expected from him um, so far. And we'll, we'll see if that continues, but like he's been really solid over there at the hot corner and, uh, and he's producing offensively. I mean, this is kind of, this is a massive get for the Mariners when you really think about it, if this is actually who he is, right? Cause he's only 30 years old. You're only paying him $11 million a year and you have him under club control for the next three years. Like, you know, we we looked at this as the Jesse Winker trade, of course. But I think this is legitimately the Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez trade. It's not Suarez is just a you know throw in just to you know take some money off of the Reds books and and you know just to lower your your cost of acquisition for Winker. I don't think it was that. I think legitimately Jerry Depoto saw something here. Jerry Depoto and his team saw something here in what Suarez was able to do in September. And uh, and the changes that they made, and they felt this guy is more than just a salary dump for us. Mm-hmm. Like he can legitimately help us. It's kind of it kind of reminds me of when the Mariners acquired Gene Segura from the uh, from the Diamondbacks, and they also got this guy named Mitch Haniger along with him. It's kind of overlooked, you know. It just it was the Gene Segura trade, but but the Mariners saw much more as the Segura and Haniger trade. Mm-hmm. Um, they they coveted Haniger and um, I I had heard way back when that they actually kind of thought Haniger was the prize of that mm-hmm. trade um, and that getting Segura was was great because it's a guy they wanted but the Haniger was actually the real prize it, it's kind of like when we talk about the 
the uh, Austin Nola trade and, and like Trammell was seen as the prize of that trade. But to the Mariners, it was actually more about Ty France than it was yeah. even Taylor Trammell. So, uh, yeah, the, I mean, the Mariners certainly I, – I don't think that this was just like, hey, we like Jesse Winker so much and we have to take Suarez. I think this is Mariners front office and their analysts saying, hey, we can get Jesse Winker at a discount and get a Eugenio Suarez, not mm-hmm. have to get him. Not We don't have to take him, but we should, and we could probably get a discount on Winker for doing it. And by so, the way, uh, they, they probably had their choice of Suarez or Mike Moustakas. Yeah. And more than likely. And they went Suarez here, you know, and, and obviously that's not a, that's not official. We don't know for sure, but presumably if the Mariners were going to take on money, they, the Reds likely gave them a choice of, of Moustakas or, or Suarez here and they went Suarez and, and there's probably a reason for that. And I think we're seeing that. I think we're seeing that play out. And right now, Eugenio Suarez kind of, encapsulates everything that the Mariners uh, offense has been about through the first 16 games of the year so far. You know, he's taking his walks. Yeah, he's striking out a little bit here and there, but he's taking his walks. He's having good at bats for the most part. And, um, and he's doing damage. That's not just over the wall power. You know, he's hitting doubles. There was the, the honestly, my favorite game of his that he's had all season was the uh, was the game that he played on what was it Friday night Saturday night when he went three for four with like three singles like that's great like that that's that's great like it, it shows you that his value is not just home run or bust he's not going to it, it, hopefully hopefully over the course of the season it's not just He's either going to go two for four with like a home run and, and a walk or a single or, or a, a double, whatever. And then he's going to, you know, the next night he's going to go over four with a golden sombrero. Like, I don't like it doesn't really seem like it's like one end of the spectrum or the other, like in terms of extremes no. for him. It seems like there is some middle ground there. Interestingly, he's had flip, uh, 15 plate appearances against lefties. He only has one hit right now against lefties. It's yeah. For 10 against um, him. He's actually... If you look at this, he's kind of been a reverse splits guy for the last, well, two years and, and whatever we want to call this year, two years and some change. Yeah. Uh, but traditionally, he doesn't have heavy splits. He's been very good against both. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the strikeouts. Yeah, he struck out some. But when you really break those down, um, you know, he struck out nine times on the road trip. And he struck out seven times on the nine-game homestand. And two of those strikeouts came against Verlander when he yeah. had his ungodly stuff. So um, since Houston left town, uh, he struck out four times in five games with all that power. Mm-hmm. So strikeout, I mean, he's had a couple of three strikeout games, which obviously hurt. Uh, but since he got back home, he's he's been, strikeouts haven't been an issue for Suarez. He's putting the ball in play more than enough. Um Mm-hmm. They, so even the strikeout numbers are a little bit skewed um, by, you know, a, a, an up and down road trip. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, in the White Sox series, he struck out five times combined in the last two games. So yeah, I, I think what you're seeing is Suarez is probably the second best all around hitter on the team right now, behind Ty France, um, just because he's providing more power than somebody like say J.P. Crawford. So sure, uh, he's he's been huge. Yeah, it's been massive, and basically what we're trying to say is good vibes only, right? Don't forget it. Uh, So the Mariners are going head-to-head with uh, one of the American League's top teams starting today. 
Can they uh, can they grab their fourth series victory in a row? We'll let you know in just a moment. But first, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. So why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. For example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store, whereas with Rock Auto, it's only $216. Plus, Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and the prices are reliably low for every customer. So go to rockauto.com right after you're done listening to us and uh, see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on and there. How did you hear about us, box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So the Tampa Bay Rays, who are, uh, you know, they're one of your favorite teams uh, outside mm-hmm. of the uh, the Mariners, of course. Uh, I really like how they do business as well. They, uh, well, aside from, you know, not spending money. I mean, in terms the of the way that they do. Bad. Yeah, the way that they're, they develop talent is what I mean. Baseball <laughs> ops, their baseball ops is probably the best in, in the game. Yes, I'm fascinated yes. by how they do that. Um, by the way, before we go, we did get a little bit of breaking news um, sure. during the ad read. Um, Mitch Haniger is at Tropicana Field. Ooh. Um, he has not officially been activated yet, but obviously the fact that he's down there would seem to indicate that he's getting activated either today or tomorrow. He's not going to be down there if he is still, you know, testing positive or anything like that. So. Right. That's come from, that comes from Shannon Dreyer, so you know, pretty reliable source. Hanniger is in Tampa Bay, so there's a good shot we see him in the series, maybe as soon as today, but probably before they head back to to Texas. At well, I would think next week. So, did she say that uh, she saw him on the field? Like, is he on the field? <clears throat> um, the official. Also, she just said Paul Seawald is in Tampa. Okay, there we go. But has, she said Mitch Haniger is here at Tropicana Field, but no word yet if he's activated. Mm. And then she said the exact same thing about Paul Seawald. So they're it at would, the field. All right. So, so it would seem weird if they're at the field, if they're still testing positive. Yeah. yeah. So they I wouldn't would allow ass- them. So I think they're both getting activated today or tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it's, hey, we we can't activate you today, but. We're so close to get, let's wait a day and then we'll get you in back in tomorrow. You know what I mean? But yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. But typically we have lineups by now and, and we don't yet. So there's we'll some roster moves that need to happen. Yeah. We'll see. Um, but hey, they're both traveling with the team or they're at least in the same location as the team. So yeah, that's a pretty good sign. Yeah. That's and good stuff. I don't know if we mentioned this yesterday, but I, I think we did. Luis Torrens is back as well. Yeah. Like he's already yeah. been activated. So. so that's huge. You know, the Mariners mm-hmm. uh, offense exploded on this homestand, especially towards the end. And now you add Mitch Haniger and Luis Torrens to that. And you add Paul Seawall to this bullpen, which, you know, right. it, it got through it. It got through it for the most part, but did yeah. struggle at times. There were some hiccups mm-hmm. there for sure without him. So uh, these this is a huge, 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 massive boost for the Mariners. And this adds a little bit of context to our discussion now. Um, the Rays entering the series are 9-7. Are, are Wander Franco is playing out of his mind right now. He is tied with uh, Ty France for the uh, American League lead in F4 right now at 1.2. Um, 
Yeah, G-Man Choi is off to a great start, of course. Mariner's legend, uh, yeah. G-Man Choi. And, um, you know, th- this uh, this pitching staff, of course, they're going to use openers. They're going to use an opener tonight. Matt Whistler, also a Mariner's legend. A lot of Mariner's legends on the uh, on the Tampa Bay Rays, I think, will uh, we'll come to find. Because, you know, remember, there's been a lot of trades between uh, Jerry DePoto and the, uh, the Rays over the last uh, six or so years. So how are you feeling about this... Uh, this matchup in general, obviously the Mariners went six and one against this team. Uh, they got Logan Gilbert going tonight. Um, you know, the Rays are, are, are playing fairly well right now, but not probably to the fullest of their potential. Um, do you think the Mariners are going to be able to keep this thing going? And how do you think they're going to be able to keep this going? If so, yeah, what the, what the teams did against each other last year is meaningless. Um, right it's as meaningless as being mad at a certain somebody for saying Joey Gallo is better than Mitch Haniger, but um, I digress. Uh, it, it, so that doesn't really matter. But again, you kind of look at the, the pitching would tend to favor Seattle, but it's so hard because Tampa is so good with their matchups and they're so good in their uh, Their analysts are so good at, uh, you know, identifying those matchups. It's really tough to say. And, and Tampa's kind of been the one team that's been able to consistently repeat this, uh, this bullpenning strategy, this opener strategy uh, with success. And, and Whistler's going to throw a ton of sliders. It also kind of messes with how the Mariners do their lineups. If, if you're not going to see the same guy more than once, you know, how does that impact where you, where you hit guys, where you slot guys in the lineup? Um, so yeah, it's, it's a very interesting matchup. Um, you know, they're coming in. Brandon Lau hasn't really gotten going yet. He's been okay, but he hasn't really started to mash yet. Um, Randy Rosarena, not uh, not really producing at the moment, um, so that that's a bit of a break there. Josh Lau uh, or Low, one of them is Low, one of them is Lau, I believe. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I think this is Josh Low, but uh, mm-hmm. he's been struggling as well. He's the DH today, and then Mike Zanino. We already know who Mike Zanino is. He's either going to strike out or he's going to drop a bomb. And so, yeah, uh, yeah. The the Rays are a good team that has found a way to kind of weather a storm where they are essentially two bats deep in the lineup right now. Um, Yandy Diaz, Yandy Yandy Diaz has been okay as well. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, they they they're nine and eight, and they're not playing like all the way up to their potential, which is pretty terrifying for the Mariners who are who are ten and six and you know, not necessarily playing up to their potential, but they're maxing out a lot of guys right now. So sure. we'll see. Um, it's it's always a fun matchup with Tampa because they can throw a lot of things at you. Assuming Dylan Moore doesn't get DFA'd, you might want to throw him <laughs> in one of these games because Brooks Raley, his uh, favorite yeah. pitcher to face, is uh, now a member of the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, for those that don't know, Brooks Raley was the uh, the pitcher who uh, threw the uh, the grand slam that that Dillamore hit against the Astros last year mm-hmm. before the uh, Kendall Graveman trade, and then accidentally threw up and in three different times on JP Crawford until yeah, he hit him. Accidentally, next batter, totally yeah. accidental, totally yep. accidental. Uh, this uh, this this Rays bullpen is uh, pretty pretty dang good right now. Uh, yeah. Jalen Beeks is back. And he has been really strong uh, since he mm-hmm. uh, since he came back. Seven and a third innings pitch, thirteen point five strikeouts per nine uh, for him. Andrew Kittredge, another Mariners legend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's uh, he's off to a, a really strong start. Jeffrey Springs, Brooks Raley, JP Fireisen, 
uh, Phoenix Saunders. Uh, yeah, so they, they got guys. They, they have uh, quite a few dudes in that bullpen, and uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for the Mariners. Like you said, that creates a lot of interesting uh, pregame decisions. I mean, you know, Christopher DeGron, I, I assume, because I don't think we've heard anything about Scott's service uh, coming back. Uh, Christopher DeGron and his, uh, and his team, they're, they're going to have to kind of be on their toes uh, during this series. And really, I think the, the key in this one, pitching's got to step up for the Mariners because – Considering how good this Braves bullpen is, might not be a lot of runs out there for the Mariners in this one. (laughs) So, Um, Logan Gilbert, Marco Gonzalez, Chris Flexen, I I feel like a lot of this series falls on their shoulders. Yeah, can they get through the lineup three times or two and a half times? Mm -hmm. Um, By the way, I know she didn't mention my boy, Jason Adam. Oh, yeah, he's he's on the Rays now. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Uh, 46% whiff percentage. so, yeah, he's, he's off to a nice start. By the way, this is a fun little note here. Uh, Luis Terenz is better than Mike Zanino at, thro- at uh, throwing the ball. Yep. Mike is, that like a, is that like a stat is, you saw, or are you just yes. like making that statement? No. Oh, okay. Mike Zanino, uh, arm, uh, it's on catcher pop, pop times, arm 81.2. I assume that's miles per hour. Exchange uh, 0.72 seconds, average pop time 202. Luis Terenz, arm 81.3, exchange the exact same. Overall pop time, 1.98. Luis Terenz, better than Mike Zanino, confirmed. Um, also, uh, Tom Murphy has the exact same uh, pop time as Mike Zanino. And a stronger arm, believe it or not. Murphy wow. at 85.4, which feels incorrect. I would venture to say, though, that the uh... – the arm is less accurate than Mike yeah. Zanino. <laughs> hey, Mike Zanino is very accurate. So, and, yeah. and obviously, that's a joke. Yeah. Clearly, Mike <laughs> Zanino is a better defensive catcher than Luis Torrens. Um, and a guy that we have speculated, I believe, on the show, maybe it was on CTZ, could be a Mariner again as soon as July. Um, I, I, I would not be shocked uh, if the, Mar- if the uh, Rays, even if they were in it, Maybe thought they could trade Zanino for help elsewhere. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not giving up on the dream of Mike Mike Z coming back to Seattle. But uh, yeah, by the way, I'm just saying Luis Torrance is better. That's all I'm saying. I'm glad that uh, Pop Time is back though, because I, I don't <laughs> think they were recording it the last couple of years, right? On on Stackass or on Savant? I don't think yeah, it's were... not on the on, it's not on the front. It's not on the uh, the the players page. You have to go to the the game previews oh, okay. and scroll to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, but still, I just, I was scrolling down and I thought I saw it. Uh, by the way, Mike Zeno's framing 42nd percentile. Hmm. So maybe Luis Torres is better. Clearly he has <laughs> regressed significantly <laughs> guys. You heard it here first. We are joking. We are joking. I, I know are someone we? is are going, we, someone is going to be down in the comments and being like, you idiots. Mike Zanino is the best catcher of all time. Etc. 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 By the way, I told I totally expect Zanino to hit at least two home runs. In this oh series. yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> Colby, as we all know, Mike Zanino is fill in the blank. Good. <laughs> very. Very. He, he good. is indeed. He is good, and he's an all star. He's an all star now. Yeah. All star Mike Zanino. It's yeah. nice to see. By the way, the, the the Mariners are going to see this Rays team, um, again, in like 
a week and a half when they get back to T-Mobile yeah. Park. So they're going to wrap up this season series with them uh, pretty quick here. So a lot of games against the Rays. You better get used to them because we're going to be seeing a whole lot of them. So uh, that's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidying Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, C-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, the C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every day. We greatly appreciate your support. Now make your second listen of the day, Locked On MLB. That's where Paul Francis Sullivan, and please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the Major League's president and pass it's free wherever you get your podcast just like us so have yourself a beautiful baseball day and we will see you tomorrow go ams peace